Welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. Happy Thursday. Hello. I hope you guys are all having a wonderful week so far. I hope that you have had a chance to enjoy some wonderful rides. Let's see, today I had a really super day. I always try to ride Harvey first thing in the morning, and I did get to ride him this morning, so that was super fun. Earlier this week, I went down to Temecula, and I took lessons with Yo Hinneman. So Yo Hinneman is my coach. I've been riding with him for a couple of years now, and it's always so inspiring to go take lessons. And I think that that's really important that even as a professional, and I've trained a lot of horses, but I'm always trying to up my game and keep learning from the best of the best. So there's actually in the USDF connection, magazine this month. There's a really wonderful article about Yo Hinneman. And he has trained, I think, something like 16 riders to the Olympics, which is just crazy. That is so many riders. But I wanted to read you a few quotes from him. So he says that there are horse people and there are people with horses. Horse people always want to learn. So I think you are horse people. If you're reading this, then you're a horse person too. So let's get started. And I think that's so true that as horsemen, we're always trying to learn and trying to get better and really enjoying the process of that. And Hinneman is such an inspiration because he really has trained so many Grand Prix horses and Grand Prix riders that he knows a system. And yet within that system, he really experiments and plays around with what works best for that particular horse. So I'll read you another um, quote from this article, which is so true, which is, that he focuses a ton on transitions and particularly on canter transitions. So trot canter trot transitions, Hinneman believes, are the best exercise for developing suppleness. In the transition to canter, the withers must come up, which is the reason for wanting a round neck that is reaching as much as possible. When dressage trainers say uphill, it means that the horse's withers and shoulders come up. The neck comes up too, but only because the shoulders rise. Correct trot canter trot transitions with the shoulders coming up make the horse very rideable. So that's a really great description. And I think it's so true that when we talk about getting our horse uphill balanced, it's not just about bringing the head up the highest point, but it's really about getting the withers to come up and transitions are a really good way to get that uphill balance. So Yo is an amazing, amazing coach and mentor. And when I was riding in my lessons this week, it was interesting because when you go to a lesson, I'm sure you guys have experienced this, that 
the trainer's job is to push you a little bit outside of your comfort zone. So I, um, you know, it's like good and bad because you, you want to get out of your comfort zone in order to get better. But it's also hard when you get pushed out of your comfort zone. So when I was riding with Yo, we were working with Harvey on the canter half pass zigzag that's in the Grand Prix. And that's a really hard zigzag because you do three, six, 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 three. And it's like everything has to be perfect in order for that whole zigzag to come up. And I've been having a little bit of a hard time with Harvey on that movement just because of that, because so much happens so fast and he's so sensitive. So if there's like any bobble, he tightens up and then it's hard to keep going. So Yo was telling me, okay, go do the half pass zigzag. And mentally, I felt myself setting myself up for failure. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but it's like my mind started saying, oh, you can't do the zigzag and this is never going to work. And like coming up with all these reasons, psyching myself out to not be able to do it. Oh, yeah. Lori says that she's in that place. So a couple of tips when you start to feel your brain do that is to come up with a way to change your mind. And one time when I was at a clinic, we worked with a psychologist and she had this purple elephant analogy, which is basically when you start thinking that way to think of a purple elephant because a purple elephant doesn't exist. And so it takes your mind off of having those bad thoughts like, oh my gosh, I cannot canter my horse or I cannot do a circle. And so I was really trying to get my mind out of that mindset take a few deep breaths, remember what had gone wrong the time before and what he had told me to correct for this time, and then really focusing on the preparation for the movement. So like in that particular movement, your turn onto the center line has to be perfect. And the beginning of the zigzag has to be perfect because if it's not, it just gets exponentially worse and worse. So it's really important that when you're outside of your comfort zone to remember, just like breathe, slow down your mind and say, you know what, I can do this. I'm going to figure it out and not let yourself start thinking that way. Because when you're thinking, oh, there's no way I can pull this off then it's for sure not going to happen. And that's the beauty of a trainer is that they push you out of your comfort zone. But it's also really important that your trainer supports you in such a way that you can get success with it and that you don't end up, um, you know, like with things just like going badly and losing your confidence or your horse's confidence. So those are my lessons with Hinneman. I also wanted to talk about, so last weekend I did the CDS symposium on suppleness. And I know for those of you guys that weren't there, it was amazing. But basically what we did in that symposium was I gave a lecture and then we looked at riders through the levels. So like from training level up to the Grand Prix and went through the exercises in each level to show how suppleness is a trend that goes all through the levels. At a very basic level, suppleness is what we need to make our horses rideable. So 
when your horse is supple physically and mentally, they have this attitude of like, yes, I'll do that. I'll try for you. When your horse is not supple, it's not a good thing. Like when your horse is not supple, they have this feeling like they want to eject you off their back or like they're so distracted that they don't want to pay any attention to you. So that's why suppleness is super important just to be able to ride. I think suppleness is something that you need no matter what discipline you are riding. And then as you move up to the level, starting at training level to Grand Prix, it just gets exponentially more obvious whether or not your horse is supple. So for example, if your horse is a little crooked or a little stiff and you're riding a 20 meter circle, you can kind of manage that. But when you start trying to ride a canter pirouette, all of those little like stiffnesses and lack of suppleness are exacerbated so much. It's just insane. So that's why we have to keep going back to suppleness. No matter what level you are, if you're showing Grand Prix, you're always going back and working on your horse's suppleness. Yeah, Jeanette says mental suppleness is so tough for both myself and my horse. Okay, so that brings up a good point, Jeanette. And this is one of the slides. I hope you can see it. This is one of the slides that um, I showed at the lecture. Basically, suppleness is really complicated because for the horse, there's both mental suppleness and physical suppleness, and these two things are related. What I mean by that is when your horse is relaxed and mentally supple, it helps them to physically become supple and vice versa. When you start to get control of your horse's body and be able to bend their body left and right, it gets them mentally supple. Now, to complicate that, we also have the rider over here and every rider has both mental issues and physical issues, right? Like we all have brain problems. Like I was talking about earlier where I'm in my lesson, and I'm thinking, I can't do this. Like there's no way. So in that moment, I had lost my brain suppleness, which carries over to your body. When you get afraid or you feel like you can't do something, your body tenses up. That's just a natural reaction. And when your body tenses up, then of course that affects your horse's suppleness. And one thing that was really cool about the seminar is that we had a group of really good riders and I asked them all to show what would happen when they would lose the suppleness in their body. So for example, Sandy Savage, She's a wonderful trainer and I've always admired her riding and she has a beautiful seat, right? So she's going along and she's sitting the trot and it's beautiful. Like you're just looking at her body and her hips are moving and her elbows are moving and her ankles are moving and her wrists are soft and not like she's flopping around, but she's moving the right amount. So she's moving the right amount to absorb the motion of her horse. And that's really what you need to do when you're sitting the trot is that you need to absorb that motion of the horse. So it looks like you're sitting still, but you're not because you're on a moving object. And so your body has to absorb all that motion. 
So Sandy's riding around. She's doing her beautiful sitting trot. And I said, okay, now, Sandy, can you lock up your seat and your ankles and your elbows? And so she went stiff. And all of a sudden, her horse basically just like put its head up and stopped. And so that's an example of how the suppleness in your body really affects your horse. And one thing that I wanted to mention, too, is that dressage is a journey and it's a really hard journey. And we're all at different places on the journey. So some of you might be just starting out riding and learning how to post the trot. Some of you guys might be working on the Grand Prix. No matter where you are in this journey, we all are struggling with the same things. It might be at a very different level, but we're all working on the same things. So even for me as a professional, I still have to video myself and I watch myself sometimes and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm not following the motion enough. My seat isn't good enough. And so I think that's really important to recognize is that we all need to support each other no matter where we are on the journey, because we all have the same problems and we're all working on the same stuff. It just might be at a different level. And I think that is really important to keep in mind. And it's really great when you have the opportunity to watch better riders than you. I always try to do that when I'm at a show. If there's a rider that I admire, I really make a point to go and watch their warm up and watch their ride and try to emulate that into my own body and into my own riding. So it was a super fun clinic and it was really cool to see the riders up the levels and then also just to see that effect of the rider's suppleness and the horse's suppleness and then how it evolves from training level up to the Grand Prix. And that basically all of the dressage exercises are designed to have our horses both physically and mentally supple. So that is about that. Let me see. I had some notes about what else I was supposed to talk about. It's been a bit of a hectic day. I feel like I have so much going on in my life right now, which is good. Like I have a lot of opportunities, but sometimes it's like the day goes so fast and I just got home and then I took a shower and then I'm trying to write notes about what I'm supposed to be talking about. Um, So anyways, I made it and here I am. Let's get to a few questions from you guys. We have a lot of questions, which is super wonderful. Um, Let's see what we have here. Okay. Let me see. I'm trying to find some good questions. Okay. Natasha says, my horse gets strong at the walk once the ride has progressed. Any exercises to incorporate relaxed walking into the ride past the warm-up phase? That's a good question. And again, (laughs) going back to suppleness, right? The walk is really a measure of suppleness. And that's why they keep putting the walk in the dressage test. And the walk is always a coefficient, even at the Grand Prix, because they're like really testing whether or not your horse is relaxed. So 
if you have a horse that gets tense, I recommend a couple of things. One is sometimes if you can get where you just like drop the reins completely, that will help get the horse to relax. It a little bit depends on the horse, but sometimes just letting them walk on the buckle and leaving them alone as opposed to trying to keep contact as much will help them to relax. Another really good exercise to help keep relaxation in the walk is to put the horse in a shoulder in or to do some leg yield so that you're still connecting the horse from your inside legs to your outside rein and um, being able to put your aids on the horse. Another good exercise that I know I learned from Carl Hester is they work on like really slowing the horse like really down and then um, like where the horse is barely stepping, like stepping just so slow at the walk and then letting the horse go more forward. But definitely you have to just keep in mixing in little walk breaks and working on that submission and relaxation. Okay, Debbie says, I really try to sit up straight, but sometimes I lean forward. Is there a method or even a trick to keeping that in mind? I do yoga and I'm fairly fit, but I can't seem to master this. <laughs> okay, that's a good question. And I do have a couple of tips. I think many riders struggle with leaning forward. I don't know. Let me know in the chat if you struggle with leaning forward. I think that I sometimes do. I find myself leaning forward. For me personally, leaning forward starts from looking down. And that's like a really bad habit that I have is just staring down at my horse because your head is quite heavy. And so if you start looking down, then it brings your shoulders forward and all of a sudden you're leaning forward. So look up, tip number one. Tip number two is when I have people that lean forward, I tell them to imagine like putting their ponytail back on their horse's tail. And for some reason, that seems to help them. Um, I also really think about like, there's a video that I did called the confidence button. If you go to YouTube and Google like my name and confidence button, it will probably come up. But basically the idea being that when we get afraid, our psoas muscle tenses up and it pitches us forward. So your confidence button is basically like your butt, right? And and when you start getting afraid, think about putting your butt in the saddle and sitting a little bit more back and plugging yourself into the saddle to give yourself and your horse confidence. So that's another one. And then also videoing or if you have a trainer that can remind you to sit back because sometimes it's a proprioception issue. Like if you're used to leaning forward, you're going to have to feel like you're leaning back, like you're actually leaning back and then you'll probably be in the right position. So that was a good question, Debbie. What else do we have here? But yes, Sandra likes the ponytail visualization. Okay, how to sit the trot. Tips on how to sit the trot. Okay, we talked about this earlier, but basically for sitting trot, you have to move. You can't sit still. And the key is that you have to move the right amount. So for sitting trot, your elbows have to move. Your 
hips and your waist and your lower back have to move. Your ankles have a little motion and you have to move in order to absorb the motion of the horse. And if you don't sit well, like if you sit stiff, it's going to make your horse move less well. So if you want your horse to move with a lot of expression and suppleness, you have to sit the trot with a lot of expression and suppleness. Okay, Carol, what kind of exercises do you recommend for a horse that cross canters? So a horse that cross canters, that's basically means where they canter on the true lead in front, and then they'll swap leads behind and canter on the wrong lead behind. So it's like a terrible feeling when your horse cross canters because it's not really a gate. A lot of times horses cross canter because they're weak behind or they're out of balance and they do it a lot on the lunge line more frequently than under saddle. If your horse cross canters, the best thing to do is bring them back to the trot and then ask for canter again because the more that you allow them to cross canter, it's you don't want that to become part of their muscle memory. So if I'm cantering along, and my horse cross canters, I just trot, pick up the canter again. It's really important that you make sure that you are sitting correctly. So sitting on the inside seat bone, outside leg behind the girth, and try to feel right before your horse swaps to cross canter, ask for them to canter again. That's really going to help. Okay, Cheryl says, I would love to hear exercises to improve the canter half pass and incorporating the half pass zigzag. We struggle a bit with the zag after the lead change and needing to half pass the new direction. Any tips or exercises would be greatly appreciated. Okay, Cheryl, I was talking about this earlier at the beginning of this lecture, but the canter half pass zigzag is so hard because so much has to happen in a small period of time. And like all the stars have to be aligned. If anything goes wrong, it just is like such a disaster. So when you're schooling it, it's really important to break it down. And so let's say you're gonna do your zigzag and you turn up the center line. First thing is you have to have your horse straight and, and put them in a little bit of shoulder in. Then you ride your half pass, at the end of the half pass, you have to push the haunches a little extra over and change it into a leg yield. So like if I'm half passing left, at the end of my left half pass, I'm going to start bending my horse to the right. Then I'm going to ask for my flying change to the right. I'm going to ride a step or two of shoulder in right to get the bend and then start my half pass to the right. At the end of the half pass to the right, I start bending my horse to the left and I'm still moving to the right, so I'm riding a leg yield, and then make the change and ride shoulder four. Really great exercise if you're struggling with the zigzag is instead of doing flying changes, do simple changes. So you're gonna half pass walk, set up the new lead canner, half pass walk, set up the new lead canner. So when you can break it down and slow it down, that's gonna help you and your horse get more organized. Another good exercise for you, Cheryl, might be that after your change, 
if you're not ready to do the next half pass, you could make a small circle like a volte to get the bend to start the new half pass. So it's, yeah, it's a hard movement, but just break it down and slow it down and that will help. Okay, Rochelle. Tips to stop pulling on the left rein, the stiff side. Exercises for the stiff side versus the hollow side. Oh my gosh. I can totally feel your pain, Rochelle. I had my first Grand Prix horse, Trump. He was so strong on the left rein. And I swore that if I just kept pulling more and more on the left rein, one day he would be soft on the left rein. And that didn't work. So when your horse wants to be strong on the left rein, you actually want to give on the left rein and keep contact on the right rein. And then you want to use your left leg to move the horse into the right rein. So left leg to right rein, supple and give on the left rein, but do not pull on the left rein. And as far as the stiff side versus the hollow side, I like doing lots of serpentines, lots of changes of direction um, to work on evening out the stiff side and the hollow side. I think that that really is the best exercise. All right, let's see. Everyone on YouTube over here, we have a few questions on YouTube. Um, Sarah, how would you suggest I help the crossover steps in the lateral work? Whenever I have um, a horse that's having trouble with the lateral work, I almost always do it from the ground. So I know we have a ton of people doing my groundwork masterclass. It's been so fun to see you guys at office hours. We've been having so many people submit videos and I have a few kids that are taking the course and they submitted videos of their exercises with their ponies. And it's been really fun. It's been really rewarding too, to hear some of the stories of people that have just been amazed by when they start interacting differently with their horse on the ground just the effect that that has on everything that they do with their horses, with their riding, with their um, respect and awareness and all of that. So back to lateral work. If you're having trouble with lateral work, get off, do it from the ground for a couple of reasons. One being that you can actually see when the horse is crossing over. So you can actually see when they're lifting up their hind leg and moving over. That's really helpful. Um, the other reason is that it can be helpful to get off the horse so that you're not sitting on their back. And then they can often move a little easier laterally without having the weight of the rider. So that is what I would recommend, Sarah, to help you with your lateral work. Another question from Michael Hoffman. Would you recommend arena mirrors as a must-have or a nice-to-have? We've been going back and forth whether it's a worthwhile investment. So if you can do it, yes, mirrors for sure. Uh, mirrors are really helpful because it is sometimes you think you're straight and you're not straight, <laughs> just to boil it down into one sentence. And so mirrors help you with proprioception because you can then ride towards the mirror and actually see like, okay, my horse is straight. Okay, I'm straight above my horse. And 
that's really important because it also helps you like if you're going to compete in dressage you have to have some perception of what the judge is seeing because that's really important and so the mirror gives you that instant feedback of course having a trainer is also helpful because they can tell you like okay you're not straight or your horse isn't straight but it's sometimes really good to have a mirror because then you can see it immediately and have that immediate feedback you can check in with your position you can check in with your horse's frame you can see what their legs are doing um, we just got mirrors put in, in our lower arena at my barn. And it's like, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see what the hind legs are doing. It's wonderful to see whether or not you're straight. And if you're serious about your riding and dressage, then yeah, for sure. I would invest in some mirrors. All right. Um, let's see. Teal has a question. Tips with a sensitive horse that bucks when he is confused okay so that's a good question when a horse bucks they are tight in the back and so the energy is kind of blocked and it causes them to you know kick up their heels or get tight in the back and buck so the best solution for that is to teach them to bend and yield their hindquarters it's important that you do that before they start bucking, um, but really when you can bend your horse and move their hindquarters out and over, then that's going to eliminate that tightness in their back and that ability or desire to buck. But again, you have to teach them that. So starting from the ground, teaching them to bend their head around and move over and then start teaching that under saddle before. And that's really so important that with everything you do in riding is it's always about before what happened happened. So like what happened before your horse started bucking and being able to address it then you don't want to wait until you have a big problem and then try to fix it. So hopefully that helps you guys. Alrighty. Um, I have to run, but it's always so fun to see all of you guys on Thursday. You guys have been coming up with so many awesome questions. So I'm sorry that I don't get to all of them. But um, yeah, for those of you guys that are in one of the courses, then of course we have office hours and more opportunities. And I'll keep being here on Thursday nights. So thank you all for being here. I hope that you have a wonderful weekend. I hope you enjoy your horse. And remember, it's all about the journey. Dressage is, is very hard. And no matter where you are on your journey, we are all here to support and encourage one another. So that's it for tonight. I hope you all have a wonderful evening and we'll talk to you soon. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions and I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club, Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.